Hello, and welcome to Makers of Tev, episode number 93. Chris, how are you? I, I'm doing okay. I, I hurt my neck sleeping the other day. <laughs> I'm sorry. You hurt your still neck sleeping? <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even anything fun. <laughs> nope. All I was right. just sleeping. Yeah, I woke up and I couldn't, I couldn't look up for like two days. Like I couldn't tilt my head up. Uh, That's serious. Kind of how did yeah, you? I know. I don't know. It was either a, uh, you know, uh, pillow problem or maybe a tossing and turning problem. I don't know. But I woke right. up and it hurt. <laughs> Are you involved in any extreme sports that might cause a neck injury? Yes, I sleep. That's right. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. How are you doing today? Uh, today, I, I'm doing okay, except I might be getting sick. I'm not. Ah. I, don't know if you can, I know. I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm, I've been sort of feeling crappy and it's either really bad allergies or, or I'm getting sick. So gotcha. I'm doing I'm doing great all around. Okay. <laughs> uh you are gearing up to be a, a googler that's exciting Getting yes your your sickness out of the way before you before you start how are you feeling about that <laughs> yeah hopefully um yeah i uh so i got my laptop my uh which i i can't log into until they give me the credentials which they do like the day before you start mm. uh but i have it and that's kind of when it hit me that i'm about to start another job <laughs> like this yeah. this whole time has been it's it's the whole process has been so drawn out like I, it hasn't really like hit me at all and then I got my laptop and I was like, oh, I'm going to be using this like 40 hours a week. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I'm excited. Uh, like I, like we talked about, it's going to be, I think, a lot more meetings and less coding than I'm used to. But mm. I'm sort of ready for a change in that direction. You know, maybe not permanently, but like for now. Um, yeah, I like interacting with people and stuff. And that's going to be a large part of my job. And I like, you know, planning and stuff like that. And I'm sure there will be large company problems that I'm going to have to deal with that I'm not used to. Uh, but that's okay. I'm looking forward to it. All right. I'm I'm excited to hear about this through you. And I have fantasies about getting a full-time job sometimes, especially when I'm, <laughs> when I'm feeling more scarce about money. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm excited to hear about how it's going. Uh, Remind me again when when you start. In one week from today. In one week. So next episode will be your first day. Uh, if we record during the day, we probably will need to push it to later that week. Yeah. I, ma- I imagine my first day will be kind of busy. I don't know exactly. Okay. I actually, actually have no idea. <laughs> they okay. they've sent. They, they're they're actually really good about onboarding. They have like an like you might expect. They have an automated sort of onboarding process. Um, and so the first day is going to be like a lot of you know normal company stuff like set up your 401k and your healthcare and Mm -hmm. your and your stuff so they've already sort of outlined all of that um and i imagine i will talk to my manager and i imagine i will you know i have no idea actually so we'll see i'd love to have an episode of what your first day was like i think that'd be a lot of fun um i'm reminded also of the the first day onboarding that i had for a summer internship project i was doing with uh uh the UT Southwestern, which is a, a local hospital, there was a, a research project I was doing. And I was really excited about the research project. It involved a lot of coding and genetics research and stuff. And they said, all right, before you can get started, you got to go through this training. And I was like, okay, that's that's fine. And I got there and it wasn't anyone from the team. It was just the generic hospital people. And they sat me through this presentation that was like, it was like four hours long. And it was all like compliance of like, uh, HIPAA stuff and just I remember sitting there I had much less patience for that sort of thing back then like, <laughs> and I was just I was just angry at 
bureaucracy <laughs> in general. And at the end of it, I was just like seething. <laughs> just like I hated it. I was like, let me, like let me actually do the work. This is so dumb because the presentation was going really slowly, and ah, I just I didn't like it. And uh, afterwards, they sent me a check in the mail for uh, like paying me for my time that I was sitting through compliance. And I was like, all right, that's cool. But my hourly rate through compliance was like much less than the amount that they were paying me for the internship because the uh, internship I think they were paying me like a chunk sum and it was based on the work I was doing versus this was based on some sort of a, an hourly rate and so I got the check and it, it was for something like it was like it was like between 20 and 30 dollars <laughs> and I was so mad that I, I just never cashed the check as <laughs> just a little like oh I got gotcha. you you're, you're gonna have some sort of an administrative hassle hey, sorry, this, this is a line out of my books for right, the next right. three it's years it's never gonna balance <laughs> yeah. and they like they like resent me the check a few times and then I, I got a notice that like they had put it in this pool of money that if you have unclaimed money it like goes to the state and the state has to keep track of how much money is left to you but it was one of the more petty things I've done in my life so I hope your first day is better than that <laughs> Oh man, that's hilarious. I I suspect it will be similar. I mean, like, you know, uh, except I get paid my full rate. (laughs) So yeah, like I get paid, I'm sure I'm going to have to sit through compliance things. I I don't know what they are yet, but I'm sure I will. Uh, yeah, I, that'd be much nicer if I was getting paid better for it. Yeah. I I could have tolerated it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had something similar where I had to, um, what was it? Oh, business insurance. I overpaid by 16 cents somehow. And mm. so they sent me a check for 16 cents and I just, <laughs> I didn't cash it because it was it, like, I just put it in a pile. And so they sent, resent me the check two or three times before I finally cashed it. <laughs> the, I was like, the postage is like I so know. much more than that. It's outrageous. Ah, uh, bureaucracies. Um, I don't want to go too far down the standard, but I'm rereading the graphic novel version of uh, the book Sapiens. It talks mm. about the, the rise of humanity and uh going from humans as a species and how we got an early foothold to how we've been able to create civilizations and one of the advantages that it says humans have is that we're able to create these shared fictions that allow millions of us to cooperate at the same time and uh uh, because we have limited brains that are that are meant for dealing with tribes once we get on the scale of millions of people we have to have some sort of a system for keeping track of millions of people like how much money does each person owe to who and who has which assets and early versions of that were clay tablets and things uh and the 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 bureaucracies necessary to keep track of the human data on the scale of a civilization uh creates these bureaucracies that are are very difficult not to keep inefficient uh that that's so counter to how humans like like humans haven't evolved to remember obscene amounts of numbers but that's the sort of thing that you need to be able to do to to run an efficient society so uh the 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 existence of bureaucracies is necessary to being able to have a productive society so uh it's it's a a necessary evil uh and would be nicer if it was more efficient but efficiency is less important than just being able to have a, a tangible record of like what you're able to do and then that trickles down to everything from you know having compliance for being onboarded at google or ut southwestern to uh paying taxes and everything else so cool tangent to your tangent uh i worked with ut southwestern too actually well my old old company yeah we uh what did we do there we installed temperature sensors somewhere (laughs) there it was a pretty big install i think so yeah cool cool neat 
Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, I know you, you've had kind of a weird time the last few weeks. <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah. so so uh, I don't know what else you want to talk about, but we could talk about Acorn Chat. What what stuff yep. is going on with Acorn Chat? Yeah. So there is someone who wants to pay me, which is great. Um, he is on a free trial. He's going to pay me. He said, and he's been uh, like a great sort of uh, advocate, I guess, for like small business and stuff. And he's he has asked for a couple of things to be changed, and so I've been changing working on those. Um, one of the things is like basically a custom look a look to part of the the widget and so i went down this rabbit hole of like okay i'm gonna do like custom themes this is something i want to do anyway maybe even like allow people to write their own css if they want to and i got down this huge rabbit hole of like okay now i'm gonna have to support all of these multiple themes and custom css and that means i have to change like how my divs work and i have to make sure they have good ids and then i have to have documentation and stuff and i was like wait a minute <laughs> let's not do any of that <laughs> so instead uh well, what I was going to do is I was just going to uh, write a completely custom uh, widget just for him to start. Uh, what I did instead was fix several CSS bugs. Uh, so this morning you saw me like I um, I have Tailwind included in my main site, which is where I was testing the, the widget. Mm-hmm. And I think that has reset styles in it. It must because um, when I tested it without that, a few things looked a little weird. So I basically spent the morning cleaning up those weird things. So basically reapplying uh, a reset style to uh the widget gotcha. uh, for, for the things i'm using so that's that's as far as i got <laughs> today uh hopefully by the end of this week i will uh make a custom custom looking widget for uh, for this guy and then he'll pay me and i will have my second customer again uh because the that's one that's right you, yeah 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 okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> the graph of like your your uh user growth would look very different <laughs> yep. <laughs> gotta be strategic yeah. about when you have those investor meetings <laughs> that's right um <laughs> Cool. Uh, I'm I'm curious how you're thinking about this project at a higher level. When for for the next few weeks, I think after you get onboarded at Google, you're going to be wanting to just focus as much as you can on just Google. Have you had the conversation yet about if it's okay for you to be doing this at the same time as you're working at Google? Uh, when, how are you framing this project at a higher level? Yeah, no, because you. Um, I, I technically do have my manager's email, but you're like until you get your credentials, you don't like have your Google email address. So mm-hmm. I haven't talked to anyone there since I got hired. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, yeah. So in a week, you know, I mean, it'll be a week plus however long I feel comfortable before I talk about you know what I could work on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as a side project. Um, so that means I want it to be totally self sufficient and running, mm-hmm. uh, which means I want to clean up a few little holes and stuff um, and make this guy happy before he pays for it. So that's what I want to do in this next week. Yeah. Just so I, I can just set it and forget it. Um, at least for the time being. Yeah. Cool. What needs to happen for this to be fully automated? Uh, I have a short list, which I can't find now cause it's probably buried, but it's three or four, three or four things that I think are little like rough edges that I want to clean up basically. Um, and, and none of it. So, like technically right now i could just set it and forget it um mm-hmm. but there are a couple things based on the google ads experiment that we ran um mm-hmm. like i realized i need some more documentation when people first sign up from the slack app store as an mm-hmm. example because they um i think we talked about this right they weren't making any sites uh like one person did but you basically if you don't visit the website before you sign up you lose a lot of the like what is this and what can you do with it and and documentation that you don't get if you just click sign up from the slack app store so Mm -hmm. i want to take all that documentation put it in the app if you sign up directly from the slack app store i think that will increase engagement directly after a sign up Um, so that's one of the things for example yeah cool 
That's cool that you have this in a state where you can be just running it automated. Like you have a product where people can pay you. You have two marketing channels where users are trickling in. Um, I, I did turn off Google ads or I let it okay. expire okay. <laughs> because you we have sort one, of talked about this, show. but yeah, I was getting a couple of clicks a day and at least half of them were still about live chatting with, with mm. random strangers or, you know, various misspellings of chat roulette or stuff like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I just turned that off. <laughs> uh, this is one of the things I want to talk about today, but I, I just got back from the Rails SAS conference uh, that Andrew Culver of Bullet Train put on. And I had a few conversations with people who have apps in the App Store, um, two in the Heroku App Store, actually. Hmm. And they are struggling with the same sorts of problems that, you know, they there is this one channel where uh, when people buy through the, the App Store, you know that they're your customer, you know that they're willing to pay, uh, and they have this stream of people coming in. But similar to the Slack App Store, the Heroku App Store doesn't allow ads and the SEO that you can do is extremely limited. So they feel kind of stuck of like, well, <laughs> it's listed and it's a reasonable listing and people are buying it. Uh, but they, a lot of the control is within the hands of the, the app store. Um, and they don't feel like there's a lot that they can do to be uh, juicing it to, to be getting more traffic. So I'm curious. I feel like there's got to be some way around this, like that. I liked the idea that people might be Googling for stuff outside the app store. Um, and I, I think, think this right. is a universal problem for anyone who has an app on an app store. Like, I think it's probably the same sort of situation in the, for the iOS app store. Um, I'm not sure what you're supposed to do for advertising outside of an app store. If that's your main marketing channel, I think SEO is going to be really big. Just like you started doing comparison pages. I think I should do dedicated comparison pages. Um, I actually also, I didn't tell you about this. I got emailed, from a site which is uh basically dedicated to comparing different chat app chat widget pay mm. sites um whatever chat widget what do you call them applications yeah. um uh however they didn't say this in the initial email but i'm 99.9 percent sure they're going to ask me a bunch of questions and then ask me to pay to be listed in their directory yeah like for that sure. is exactly the feeling i got from them yeah so i didn't even respond um but sites since sites like that exist like you can write your own versions of all of the pages that they have yeah, and yeah. then it's on your domain and then you get SEO traffic. So I think yeah. that's better, the better way to go. And then it doesn't matter if people, you know, are looking for chat roulette and click on your app and click on your thing then because like they're going to bounce, but at least it didn't cost you any money. So yeah. yeah. What a funny metric of knowing that you're in a mature market. If you have people reaching out to you, whose business model is that they, <laughs> charge people who have live chat apps yep. to be listed in a in an in an ad um i'd be curious about that like if it's a hundred dollars i think that makes sense to be listed in it yeah but what i mean what if they have zero traffic like i could see people creating That's those true. pages and just having zero traffic for yeah. sure for sure hmm yeah um captera i think is a actually legit market that does that sort of thing yeah so there's some actual ones so capture i think is one g2 i think that's one um there's a couple that are like for real ones this one mm. seemed dodgy <laughs> okay yeah yeah i'd be curious about that i think we also talked about uh potential marketing technique of reaching out to websites that don't currently have a live chat and then having a email campaign 
where you send out to them saying like, ah, here's, you know, a screenshot of what this could look like on your website. And if you're using Slack, this is perfect. And if not, do you have, do you have a, uh, like an email fallback? What happens if they don't have Slack? It's just for Slack. Yeah. You, you need Slack. It, there okay. is an email fallback, but you need to install it in Slack before you can use it. Yeah. It's basically okay. just a Slack app. I wonder if there's a clever way that you could figure out websites within a certain demographic that also have Slack. Like if, if you can find an internal link to a Slack uh, thing just for their team. I'm not oh, sure how you could saying. find that. Or if there's some sort of like a, a mm. public Slack listing where you could go from the, the public Slack listing to the website and then you filter on the website seeing if they're in your demographic. Possibly, <laughs> but I don't know. That would... Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's I think, what I would be most curious about next. But yeah. this is going to hibernation, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the other thing I thought about doing was selling it, actually, um, mm. because I'm getting a job. Uh, but I don't think I want to do that because I can't get very much money, I think, right now, since I have mm. one paying customer <laughs> for, uh, currently. Um, <laughs> but you do have outrageous growth. <laughs> that I do. That's right. Infinite infinite growth, even with um, losing one customer. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, also, like I talked about, as soon as I start at Google, like, uh, I'm going to be, uh, like, my plan is to be fully dedicated full-time to Google, but mm-hmm. I'm sure I will want a side project, like, immediately after I start. Uh, that's, like, just how my brain works, and so I think yeah. this could be that side project. Um, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't make any big moves until you're yeah. settled at Google. Um, that's a that's a big enough change than also selling a company. You've gone yeah. through that. You, you know what that's like. That's right. Cool. I have four things I'd like to talk about. The first is that my consulting project for Ali Abdal, uh, specifically his part-time YouTuber Academy, uh, is done. I just finished it right before this podcast. I recorded a little video that they can send out in their internal team. Uh, and I can talk more about like what the actual project is, which is exciting. Uh, I worked on it for 34 hours and six minutes, precisely. And I made $5,358, which works out to exactly $157.126 per hour, which is reasonable for that number of hours. Um, I think I was projecting it was going to take like half that, uh, but I did a good job and I'm happy with it. And um, I think I burned a lot of time thinking I was going to make it in Superbase and then switching back to Firebase. Uh, I'm a a Firebase boy. I like Firebase, so... (laughs) Uh, part of that was like exploring Superbase and, and learning yeah. that. That was time I got paid for, so that's nice. Um, and I only did about two out of scope hours after I finished the project. Uh, it became very clear that the the high level data they were looking for, where you could see like for for all of the students uh, what their metrics are, was necessary to, to get the value out. So uh, I did all of that today, and it only took about two hours. So that was nice. Um, and now this this opens the door for future work that like I think this could very easily turn into uh, a CRM for them of managing student data and be plugging in additional data sources and see if there's any other correlation. So that feels pretty cool. Um, also, it's just nice to like... Uh, so I'll give some background on the project. Ali Abdal is a very successful YouTuber. He has, uh, I think, tens of millions of subscribers on YouTube, if not very high single digits of millions. And it's sort of a, a productivity education channel. He'll talk about different ways to like take notes on an iPad or uh, uh, different productivity systems or, or ways that he stays productive. And he offered in 2020 a class 
that you could take and learn how to be a YouTuber uh, and, and like everything from how to come up with ideas to how to technically film the videos to how to edit the videos to how to uh, have a content calendar so that you're consistently doing this. And I took this in 2020 during COVID. There wasn't a lot else to do. And it was the best class I've ever taken. Uh, I think it was really well designed for the medium of being online. He did a lot of really clever things with like breakout groups and Zoom and uh, having student mentors. And uh, I think he, he presented the information in a, in a very clear way. I, I loved it. Got me much more comfortable in understanding YouTube as a as a channel. Um, so it oh also just like like seeing him work was so inspiring. Like he's he's working at a totally different level of abstraction. Like he has a team, and you know I, I would see him make these decisions and be like, uh, oh this thing needs to get done. Who's the person to do that? Okay, yeah. Can you please send an email to this person to make sure that they get this done? And that's you know that takes five seconds of his time, and then this thing is going to get done. That's really cool. Uh, and he had assistance, and I think that's that was a big motivation for me to that finally pushed me forward to to uh, have Rachel as a personal assistant. So yeah, it's, it's it's cool working on this sort of thing and seeing someone operating this business at a at a totally different scale. Uh, that's a lot of fun. And yeah, I feel like I did a good job and I enjoyed it and uh, built a relationship that I think is going to be uh, valuable. Yeah, valuable. So that, that all feels good. Cool. Uh, it's nice to hear you finally able to talk about it. So that's good. And <laughs> we don't have to uh, bleep the last episode. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I also think that doing a little extra work on contracts is great uh, as a great way to get return business because like it's you know, you're making it clear that you're, you know, willing to do what it takes to make the project successful, um, even mm-hmm. if it is out of scope. So, yeah, that's great. I mean, don't do it if it takes 30 extra hours of work, but yeah, right. two is fine. Uh, also, that's a great consulting rate. Yeah, that's uh, uh, super solid. So sounds like a win all around. Yeah, feels good. Um, yeah, like you know, two hours at $157 an hour is like 300 and something dollars. And that feels fine. And like, I think mistakes I could make here are if I just say yes to everything, uh, I, I, you know, wouldn't feel like I was defending my own boundaries and, uh, you know, then they wouldn't respect me as much that when I give them a contract they they wouldn't be paying as much attention. Well, a Christian, you know, does a bunch of work for free, so it doesn't matter. And then I would feel resentful that I was doing too much work for free. And I think I can go too far on the other side of that of like, you know well i can't change this button color because that wasn't defined in the contract and that would be pedantic and uh dumb so yeah i think there's a there's a balance in there and it feels like i i maintain that balance when they uh my main contact bob at this company sent me a message that was like oh you know it'd be nice to have uh search to be able to search students and search in firebase is unnecessarily complicated it's Mm. stupid (laughs) um so uh i messaged back and was like well search is out of scope but you know if this is the thing that you want like i can do that and then it became clear that like the much more valuable thing was to to do these extra graphs uh so i said like well okay so you know in both of these are out of scope so instead of search i can do this graph uh and that felt really good and like she was thankful that it, it was very clear that i was doing extra work and i didn't feel stingy that i, I wasn't doing uh, enough extra things and uh, felt, felt like a, a very good balance. And now there's this opportunity for extra work that like, I do think search would be really valuable to having this happen. Uh, there is, if I, if I could like bundle that together with enough other stuff to, to make a new contract, uh, I'd, I'd love to do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a really healthy dynamic. Um, a lot of people, I don't know if your contact is technical or not, but if they're non-technical, then it can be really, really difficult to f- know what's difficult or what's easy. Um, mm-hmm. and like you said, it happens to be really difficult in Firebase and another technology might be very easy to yeah. do search instead of the graph. Um, yeah. but the way you did it, it was way easier to do the graph. So yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's great. It's like both of these are out of scope. Uh, I can do the graph really easily. So why don't I do that? And, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's good. That all sounds really good. Yeah, feels good. That's the first thing. Um, second thing, I went to Rails SAS, Andrew Culver's conference, uh, sponsored by Bullet Train, which is his main company. It's a framework built on top of Ruby on Rails that is um, a SAS in a box. It has it, It's Rails if Rails knew that you wanted to make a SAS. So it has things like billing and subscriptions and teams and all this stuff built in and uh, a much better scaffolding that like does a lot of stuff for you. It's it's really nice. It's it's a really cool framework. Um, and it used to cost money, but it's free now, right? Yeah, yeah, he open sourced it. Uh, yeah. And it used to be that the billing features cost money, mm. but he announced at the conference that now the billing is also included. So yes. yeah, you can, you can build a SAS with this. I think it's probably like the easiest, most straightforward way to, to build a software as a service. Uh, that I'm currently aware of. Uh, it's a really, really nice framework and has a really good ecosystem. Um, I have several takeaways from this conference. One of them, quickly, that I'll mention is that uh, I, I started explaining what I do and what File Inbox is as that it's a, a tool to send and receive files. Usually, I would have to explain, like, oh, it's a tool to receive files. Like, you know, if you're an accountant, you would want to receive files from your client. People just got <laughs> so confused. <laughs> like, it took, it took work for me to, to explain yeah. it. And explaining File Inbox as a tool that sends and receives files, people just got it. And they were like, oh, so I could use it to, like, send this file to, to this person. Like, what's it called? And I was like, oh, okay, this is, I should have done this a long time ago. The, the yeah, sending cool. files is, is uh, really important. Um, so that was cool. Uh, another one of my takeaways is that I'm feeling really happy with my technology stack choice. Uh, I used to be on Rails, the first version version of File Inbox, uh, and the current legacy version is, is built on Ruby on Rails. Uh, that's how I cut my teeth on web technology stuff. And now I'm doing everything in React and on, on Next.js. And... I like React, and I like more of the functional way of doing things. There, they most of the talks were uh, very specific to Rails. It was like cool Rails technologies, or or you know, cool ways to have a, a filter for records, or uh, you know, a way to do a test suite, or that sort of thing. So a lot of it didn't really apply to me, and I, I got a lot of like email and, and brainstorming done. Uh, but when I would look up and like look at the code. I would say, oh, okay, here's the thing they're trying to do, and here's how they did it in Rails, and that's a really cool Rails way to do it, but there's a lot of magic going on there that I don't understand, and I don't like that style of coding anymore. I really like functional, like, it's a little bit more verbose in some situations, it's a little less magical, but, like, knowing exactly what the inputs are and knowing exactly what the output is and knowing that there's not going to be any of these weird side effects, uh, I prefer that style of coding. That I'm not saying that's the best way, but that's... I, I, I felt assured in my choice that that was a... a good way of coding um and then my last takeaway was like i'm really impressed with andrew culver like this was his very first conference i think uh definitely the first you know rail sas conference and the one that's done for bullet train and it went so smoothly he had this whole production team that was filming it uh you know, there were no major catastrophes that i saw of like you know <laughs> i don't know so like like you know a sprinkle going off in the in the room or something right. uh yeah it was nice and he, he got like a hundred hundred people together i think uh a lot of them were really big names in ruby so it's cool that he has that network and that much of a reach and uh that much cloud to be able to to 
throw a conference like this. I thought it was really, really cool. And those are my three takeaways from the RailsSize conference. That's cool. Um, yeah, I met Andrew at MicroConf this last year, um, and he struck me as a very impressive person. Um, I had sat next to him at dinner, and he's like, he's very energetic, and he's also very, he's very uh, hyped up and into Bullet Train and like uh, his, you know, product and the way that they're doing things. Um, and it, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, he seems like the type of person who'd be put on a good conference, so that's great. Um, I actually meant to go to Rails SAS. I forgot it was happening, so. I should have uh, bought a ticket when MicroConf happened, but uh, <laughs> oh well. I, I think you would have gotten a lot more out of it than me, so that's that's funny. I don't think I even told you that I was going. No, you <laughs> and didn't. I was like, you know, the day like, before, I'm going like, to LA, and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then later you were like, how's LA? And also, why are you there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's funny. Uh, there there were a bunch of people that because I've I've been out of the Ruby ecosystem for a long time. Uh, I was talking to other people who were there and asking like, oh, you know, how'd you find out about this? And, you know, what are you getting out of it? And uh, a few people I talked to were like, oh my God, like, you know, this person from the Ruby community is here. And I'm just so excited because they have this library and I've been using it and they're, they're this celebrity. And I didn't know a single one of them. <laughs> so I think you would have been much more like <laughs> impressed with the people that were there. Yeah, that's uh, right. And they're all really cool. Like the, everyone I talked to was really nice, but you know, none of them were, none of them were superstars. Uh, like there are people in the React community that I think if I if I met, I'd be like, "Oh my god, you made this library! Like that's you're, you're the dude who like made you know uh, date FNS! Like that, that's incredible!" Right? Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, that's that's all for that. All right. Um, next thing uh, is file inbox. File inbox. Uh, I have made no progress on in the last week, and. Most of that was because of the PTYA project, and uh, then the rest of it was because of traveling, and I missed it. Uh, like, you know, day two into traveling, I was like, oh man, I have these cool ideas for things I could do with marketing. Like, I, I, I miss this engine. Like, oh, specifically what I really want to do for the rest of this week is like tune this this engine of can I, I you know, I, I have this source of traffic where I can be getting a bunch of people but it's not it's not really converting into people so I want to get a firm handle on that same stuff we talked about last week I just haven't made any progress on it um, and you know then then tune the levers of like okay how much am I charging and what am I charging for and uh, how can I maximize this conversion rate like that it feels like it's a really exciting place right now uh, so I'm excited to, to get back to that this next week um, I did have a weird thing that happened which is one of my paying users who was a legacy user who I, I brought on to um, the new serverless thing sent me an email one day that was like hey it's down and I was mm-hmm. like oh no uh, and he said none of his people could access it and it was down and I still don't know what happened hmm. I think it had to do with having a thousand people a day visiting it I think something in this serverless setup with Firebase got over quota and there's a bunch of things I can do about that um it's a little concerning that like the whole reason I'm switching to Firebase is to make sure that this sort of thing never happens. Uh, and I don't even know what happened. I don't, I don't know if it's because something was over quota. Uh, it could have just been that like locally something happened or it could have been that like, I don't know, someone's ISP flagged file inboxes, a malicious site because someone sent someone else a virus. Um, so yeah, I don't know what happened, but I'd like to fix it. And in the meantime, uh, I found out about this like as I was headed out the door to pack. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I was talking to Rachel like, "All right, just wrapping up. I'm gonna be gone for a week. How's everything?" And she was like, "Oh, you have this email that says uh, it's broken." And I was like, "Oh no!" So uh, I'd like to figure that out. But in the meantime, I've turned off the Google Ads, and I was expecting traffic to go to zero, and traffic went from about a thousand users a day 
to 150 users a day. And that's much higher than I would have thought. And that kind of yeah. makes sense because you're sending files. So there's going to be people who are like visiting it to, to receive the file. Um, but that feels really good that there's like, there's stickiness to this. Like after I have paid for a user, uh, even like I'm not collecting any user data. I'm not emailing anyone. Right. Uh, it seems like some people are just remembering to go to file inbox, even if it's not the thing that they're searching for. So uh, that feels good. Uh, that's it. That's, cool. that's the that's is, the state of file inbox. Is it still at that level now? Like even after RailsAS? Yeah, yeah, about 150 a day. Cool. It's it's kind of tapering off, but it's only been a couple of days, so it's difficult to get data on that. Yeah. Um. I mean, if you find something that a lot of people need and mm. it's free, then mm. a lot of people will probably use it. Um. I'm re- reminded when this was when like screen sharing was just sort of coming out as a thing, what, like 2010 or 12 or something like that. And there was a service called join.me. I don't know if they still exist, but it was free because they were burning through venture capital like the first year or something. And we used it like without bookmarking it. We used it every day for like Hmm. a year. Uh, But then they started charging money and then we stopped using it completely. (laughs) Because I think like Zoom was a thing then or something. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, people will remember sites that are free and useful. So yeah, Yeah, that's the that's the plight of uh, freemium. Um. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how a file box initially got a bunch of traction. Is like it got shared and uh, for being this free tool that you could use to to receive files. So, and I feel like I still haven't found the right balance of like paid to free and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, even if people like bookmark it, or I mean, like I guess post links to it places, um, mm-hmm. like that's SEO traffic. So that'll yeah pay for a lot of free files being sent but yeah it's really hard to attribute that to any one particular thing so yeah, hmm, yeah it's tricky i'm excited to push that forward there's a lot of uh i think this week is going to be mostly bug fixes and on, on the on the technical days it's going to be bug fixes and um like cleaning up the data so i, I only want to be keeping files that are sent on free accounts for a certain number of days i don't know maybe like seven days or something um and make sure that all the honey badger errors that are getting reported get fixed so and then during the marketing days i think that's marketing days are going to be more fun actually because it's going to be like tuning yeah. stuff and like getting more analytics and uh look at me i'm having fun marketing <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a what a measure of success in uh doing work it feels good yeah. cool uh yeah cool last thing uh this is going to be a shorter episode last thing uh, I was going to say, I had, I had almost, I had almost nothing because I was, I'm just, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting ready. I didn't even talk about this. I'm stringing pearls. That's the thing I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'm doing, I'm doing all the random tasks around the house that I haven't done for a while <laughs> in preparation for this. Stringing pearls. You've been telling me about it. It's, it's, yeah, it's surprisingly technical. Like yeah. you need a certain diameter of string in proportion yep. to the hole in the pearl and tying knots in between them. Like it looks like fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but as some background, uh, as a tangent, uh, so my wife has this pearl necklace from her grandma, who, uh, and, but they're not real pearls. It's like costume jewelry, they're plastic um, mm-hmm. or ceramic or something. Um, but she it has sentimental value. She remembers her grandmother wearing it, and you know, so she, and she's passed on now, and so she has it, and the the string broke, and so she had to get restrung. Well, she took it to a place who they charge the same price whether it's regular pearls or fake pearls like everyone does it's the same amount of work and so mm-hmm. it'd be like 120 dollars to restring this you know like 
two dollar <laughs> necklace or whatever <laughs> so uh yeah so we just bought the there's like special string and then i have these little tiny tweezers from i, I think i plugged this before actually i fix it has an amazing set of uh tiny screwdrivers tweezers and stuff so it's huh. it's for fixing like iphones and stuff but if you ever need tiny screwdrivers and tweezers i fix it has a great set for like 15 bucks or something notice uh, anyway so i'm using the i fix it tweezers to restring pearls cool and you picked up a new hobby in the process. Now you can I guess. make pearl necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when they make pearls? Are they are they finding pearls that are perfectly round, or do they polish them into roundness? How does that work? You know, I I have no idea. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to know that. Make yeah. my own pearl necklace. The uh, reason why it's hard, by the way, it's not just putting them on the string. You have to tie a knot in between each one. That's why it's difficult. Yeah, you tie a knot that's in exactly the right spot. Um, I, it's. I guess it's to separate them a little and also if it breaks they don't all just fall off the necklace because yeah, they're all yeah. on in knots so i think like in the reasons. batman movies when they show right. bruce wayne's parents getting shot and you, the pearl necklace on martha wayne's neck is always a major and it gets broken and then the pearls right. all fall to the ground that would actually that wouldn't not, actually happen that wouldn't happen because that's not how you string pearls yeah. <laughs> maybe she had a, a very cheap pearl necklace <laughs> yeah but i forgot to to uh, tie the knots i being in being in los angeles i uh interacted with a bunch of people who are in the film industry uh some of some of friends that i like met up with there um and the the i i can put myself easily in the mental state of someone who's like on set who's responsible for the prop of the pearl necklace who's you know the director has said like okay and then we need them to like break and fall down just like this and they're there like getting pearl necklaces practicing and they're like what the heck what the heck is this like it doesn't the pearls don't go everywhere then they've got to like custom make a necklace that that the pearls are going to go in uh like i'm I'm sure there are people who have worked on every batman movie that has this effect that have also realized that like pearl necklaces uh have knots in between them uh yeah it's it's funny yeah yeah anyway so that's also what i've been doing this week yeah cool um uh, all right, my last thing is clips up marketing. I have gotten a lot more excited about this. My my excitement about this has grown, especially being at the RailsConf uh, or the the RailsAS conference and talking with people about it. Uh, like in talking about file inbox, I found myself going to the same sorts of places that I've gone before of like having difficulty knowing who my customer is and uh, not quite having marketing underneath me and like not quite sure what to charge and uh, struggling with more of a horizontal marketplace. And in Clubstop Marketing, like, I know exactly who the customer is, and I like them. Like, I would love to go to a YouTuber conference or uh, a creator conference like, uh, uh, I, oh, not Brennan Dunn, uh, Craft and Commerce by ConvertKit. Uh, Nathan Berry. Yeah. Nathan Berry, yes, thank you. Um, Nathan Berry's conference. I'm like, that's the sort of person who I think would be using this. And then, you know, I would enjoy being there as a creator. I think that would be fun. And also everyone i talk to who asks what i do i'm like well i have this podcast and also i build this tool to make clips better like that that would be fun i would really enjoy that <laughs> the the sort of person who's a youtuber is very interesting to me like being able to say that i did a project for ali abdul like that's really cool that's, he's a cool person who's doing cool stuff and uh it's it's like the celebrity of today and uh i i, I enjoy the community of that sort of content producer uh and also like it fixes a lot of the problems for file inbox of not knowing who my market is or how to find them. Like in the course of making this project, I'm dealing with a database of thousands of people who are in the target demographic of this thing. I can't use that directly because uh, I signed a contract that said like, I'm not going to use this data for anything other than the purposes of the contract. But like, I'm still in the communities of all these people. Like I, I know how to get in contact with them. Um, so yeah, I, I'm liking 
clips up marketing. So I found myself, you know, during a, a really technical Rails talk, just like doodling marketing plans and like interfaces and uh, how, how to make a really, really good clipping interface and like doing research in other video editors and uh, how how to be doing this. And I, I've come up with, I've come up with a thing I'm really excited about that is going to be just a page that you land on and you import a video, uh, either dragging and dropping it or pasting in a YouTube link. And then it drops you immediately. So no logins. There's been as little friction as possible. Uh, it loads up this clipping interface where you clip the video by just highlighting the text of that video, uh, the text of the part that you want to do. And then from that, you have a clip and then you can format the clip. And I have a, a minimal interface of like how to uh, pick which format of clip to go in. And then I think the, the game is like the same sort of thing I'm doing with this file sending. I have this this free limited product where you can use it right away. And then I sell you on uh things you might want to do next to customize the video or to auto publish it that you need an account for that you can start a free trial for um and if not that's fine you can get a functional thing out of this you can render a video it's just going to have a watermark of of clips.marketing uh and then sell it and i think you had a really good idea last week of like buy a google ad for the landing page right now so i think yeah. that's top on my list of things i want to do tomorrow for marketing day cool the other thing is you keep calling it or you keep saying clips up marketing and you keep just talking about the clipping feature but i use it for our podcast just for the timestamps every single week yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely worth it for that i mean uh, like as a free product for sure mm-hmm. probably as a paid product but um like that might be your free sort of freemium in is just timestamping is free and then the clips mm-hmm. are watermarked um mm-hmm. and then yeah pay to remove the watermark or whatever um so yeah i would yeah, think that timestamping is higher a higher priority too yeah I like that. Yeah, timestamping time stamping would be a really good thing to be advertising. And then once yeah. I once I have your video and I have you in the interface where you're timestamping it, now I can be selling you on, oh, I bet you sure would like to clip this and let me sell you on clipping it. Man, I'm also excited about like the educational content for this of like, you know, how to make clips and how to yeah. uh, syndicate it and uh, how to choose which social media channels to do. Like, it just feels... And I don't know... <laughs> I'm so frustrated with myself because like i was in this exact same place about a year ago like really excited yeah. about this project and uh I, I had all these same sorts of realizations and then after going to microconf europe i just sort of lost focus and started working on other stuff and i don't remember what happened or why i did that i think i like i got sick at one point and i wasn't able to work as much because i was in europe and I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm still going to be focused on file inbox. I'm still going to be pushing this forward, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to replace all the time I was spending working on this consulting project with working on clips and marketing uh, and do the same cadence of like uh, marketing days and, and uh, technical days. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Cool. You should also, I have a YouTube recommendation for you uh, not to waste more of your time. I'm hold on. I, his name is Joe, Joe Scott. Is that his okay. name? Those are yeah. two first names. Okay. So Joe Scott, yes it is. Joe Scott TMI. So it's his second YouTube channel. Yes. And his latest video, let me make sure. Uh, yes, I posted shorts for 30 days. Here's what's happened. So he talks extensively about he clipped out, um, or he had someone clip out clips from his video to post mm. to TikTok, and then he reposted those to YouTube. Mm. Um, spoiler alert, he found the ones that he recorded specifically for TikTok did way better than the clips. Mm. Uh, but you can ignore that a little bit and just pay attention to the clip stuff if you want. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, so that's someone who I just watched who uh, 
is an experienced YouTuber who who had experience with clipping. So that might be cool. interesting for you. I, I I'm excited to watch it. That that's very relevant. Um, and that's an interesting point that if you if you make short form content optimized for short form content, it's going to perform better than if you're clipping from a bigger video. Yeah. But, um, but it takes a lot more work. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think I think the primary purpose of clips marketing. And I might change the name after I do some SEO research. Sure. Uh, I, I would make it a .com, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to look for a .com. Yeah, I'm gonna look at. I'm on a tangent. I'd like. I'm gonna look at like search data for people who are high intent, uh, yeah. looking for this sort of thing, and then I want to rename it something that they're searching for. Uh, but I think the purpose of close marketing is like primarily to more effectively leverage the long form content that you're already making. So you're like minimizing effort and maximizing uh, uh, the output. So like, of course, you're going to perform better if you have like a dedicated team of people who are clipping this and like, you know, making cool transitions and uh, making the clip as cool as possible. But this is going to get you 80% of the way there for like 10% of the effort. Yeah. Um, and then because I'm, I'm also sort of making this a thing like buffer. Well, I don't know. You can, you will, you will grow out of this tool. You'll, right. you know, once you have a, once you have a person who you're hiring to do this, uh, you probably don't need this tool anymore. I think this is for like, uh, you know, solo creators or, or people on a really small team, uh, who want to just get like a, a boost in benefit with a, a small, uh, investment in time. Yeah. Uh, although I think whoever you hire, the person you hire could use clips marketing to do yeah. the work too. Like, yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, so intermediate steps in growing your team might look like you can hire someone who's more of a general person, who's someone like Rachel, who's just a, an assistant generally, who doesn't know how to do video editing. And that person can still be making clips for you. Right. Um, I think I think creators have grown out of this tool once either they have the bandwidth to be making purpose-built short-form content yeah. But even then, they could sort of still be using this in the meantime to, to queue up clips and keep that system the same. Uh, or once they have uh, a, a dedicated editor that can make the clips. But even then, like, you know, if the editor has other stuff to edit, like this, this right. might not be the, the lowest hanging fruit. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. I think, like he was talking about TikTok specifically, but I think for Twitter clips and maybe even Facebook clips, although I'm not on Facebook very much anymore, so I don't know, but especially like Twitter clips, like this is perfect for that anyway, because on Twitter, often you want a very chunky nugget that also links to the full podcast or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you don't necessarily want dedicated, you know, short form content on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, like you would want TikTok. Yeah. yeah. I can see that performing much better on, uh, on Twitter. People seem to have <laughs> longer attention spans on Twitter, which is a funny thing to say, because Twitter is already very, very short attention. Span. <laughs> right. Uh, also, oh my gosh, I love the phrase chunky nugget. <laughs> I got to use that. <laughs> it's, Chunk, chunky that's, nuggets. That's, that's not my phrase. I can't remember what I stole it from, but that's not my phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just hungry for lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chunky nuggets. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, cool. That's, is that all I got? Yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got too. Then I'll see you next week when you'll be a Googler. I know. Ah. Goodbye. Ah. Goodbye. <laughs>